back to the Bible Tidbits podcast. Today, we're looking at Genesis chapter 4. Last week in Genesis chapter 3, we've seen the introduction of sin and man fall into sin. Well, in chapter 4, we see mankind begin to plunge deeper into sin through Adam and Eve's descendants, Cain and Abel, and then throughout their descendants even more. But as always, I want to start this morning with a brief devotional thought. And today I want to read a hymn by a guy named William Cooper. He was a man, he was a friend of John Newton. John Newton was his pastor, the man that wrote Amazing Grace. And he too wrote hymns and they worked together to write a hymnal called the Alney Hymnal. So I encourage you to look up more about him because his life is very, very interesting. But I want to read one of his most well-known hymns, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break and blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err the scan, his work in vain. God in his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. God of mercy, God of grace, give us eyes to see, eyes to see your smiling face within the mystery, within the mystery. Today as we begin, we want to remember that even through the most difficult of times, whenever we find ourselves plunging the deepest into sin, that God moves in a mysterious way and we can trust that he will move in our situation. So let's go ahead and begin here in Genesis chapter 4. See, we see in this passage, sin is the core issue. But we also see that there are bookends in this passage that are the worship of God. The passage begins with the worship of God and ends with the worship of God with this issue of sin there in the middle. And throughout this passage, there's several types of literature, which makes it very interesting. There's dialogue, there's narrative, there's genealogy, and there's even poetry. And as we go through, we're going to see that there's an expectation building here as mankind plunges deeper into sin. It makes you wonder, what will God do through this? And in it, we see a genealogy. And I want to kind of go over the genealogy. I've written it out in my notebook because I like to write them out so I can see them to understand them more. But um, as we see them, we see a continuation of evil in this first part. We see Adam. Adam gives birth to Cain, Abel, and Seth. We see Seth gives birth to Enosh. And we'll get more into Seth's genealogy later. But this passage focuses in on Cain. Cain gives birth to Enoch, Enoch to Irad, Irad to Mahajael, Mahajael to Methushel, Methushel to Lamech, and Lamech to Jabal, Jubal, Tubal, Cain, and Namaha. So 
throughout this family tree of Cain is the focus of it here. We see some interesting people, and there's going to be some people that are descendants of Seth that share the same name, but they in turn are complete opposites. Because we know in this passage that Cain ends up murdering his brother Abel. And through that, we see Cain's lineage, his descendants, continue in the evil ways that he did. And we see verse 7. Verse 7 of this passage really stuck out to me as I read it. Because this is God talking to Cain. And he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. What an a amazing truth that we can even carry in our own lives. Sin is crouching at our doors, but we must rule over it. We must not fall into its temptations. Before we get into our breakdown, we'll look at a few cross-references to kind of help us place this passage in the whole story of the Bible. I want to start off in the book of Hebrews. We turn to Hebrews a lot because Hebrews mentions a lot of people that are found in Genesis. As I turn there, I've not bookmarked these, so I will have to be flipping through them. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 to start out says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So we see that Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And in chapter 12, verse 24 of Hebrews, it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So chapter 11 says the blood of Abel still speaks to us today, and I think will speak to us as we look at it right now. But we can also remember that the bloodshed of Christ speaks an even better message. We'll look next at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 12 says, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, Yet I know it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. In this passage, we're going to see Cain do evil, but we know that it will be better to fear God than to walk in that way. And though Cain ends up living for quite a while here and he has many descendants, we can still know that it's better to walk in the way that God wants us to walk. Next is Isaiah chapter 3. Verses 10 and 11. Isaiah chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 say, Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Whatever the righteous offering their righteous gifts and doing what might be contrary to the world, they will be rewarded for that. And the the wicked will be punished for that, even if it's not in the immediacy. I want to look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. He will render to each one according to his works. 
to those who by patience and doing and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. And then Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. We're going to see that that's where Cain falters in this story. Is he does not honor the Lord with the best that he has. Also in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 7, says this, The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. And then finally, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So we see throughout those multiple cross-references that there, there is, there's a difference here. There's, there's a focus here that we should have. You know, we should offer God our best. We should know that he will punish the wicked and he will bless the righteous. We should know that our our worship matters. And we should know that in this story, Cain is not doing what's pleasing to God. That, that, that part where he murders his brother is descriptive. It's not prescriptive, of course. And we can learn much about sin and worship and our own lives through it. So starting as we look through the passage, we see there at the beginning that these are the first two men to be born in the Bible. And Eve gives the credit of their birth to God, which is an amazing thing. In this, Eve has realized her role in God's mandate. We see in Eve's attitude that there is an expectation in having children that one will be the seed that will overcome sin. You know, this expectation and emphasis on children continues throughout the book of Genesis because they believe that each one will be that promised seed. And Eve believes that the first children she bears are going to even be that promised seed. And we see, though, that Cain is not going to be that promised seed. We see he has the big problem of pride. And it's carried throughout his lineage. You know, Lamech is the makers of Babel. And Cain sounds like the Hebrew word forgotten. So Cain's name even shows that Eve's praising for getting gotten a son from God. But we see that this gotten one is not going to walk in the way that he should. We also see that His descendants are not going to walk in the way that they should. And this begins to develop an issue of worship. See, Cain brought some of what he had, and Abel 
brought the best of what he had to God. And we see God prefers the best. And it's more than just doing the act. We see Cain is bringing something to God. But it's also the content of it and the heart behind it. And verse 7, as we read earlier, is very relevant in application for us today because, you know, the content of our worship is kind of like sin crouching at the door. We can easily make it more entertaining. We can easily add the lights and the smoke and have catchier songs. But that's just like sin crouching at the door. You know, that's not always a good thing. Very rarely is it. That's making our worship of God more worldly and taking the focus away from him and onto us. And verse 7 also lets us know that Cain wasn't doing what is right. When God's telling, warning him of sin, God wouldn't be warning him of sin if sin wasn't there crouching at the door like he says. For part of this, I looked at different translations. I particularly looked at the NIV here. And when it talks about Cain's offering, it says that he brought some fruits. So whenever we look at that, we can see that God's warning him of sin. And he, he, he was bringing something. So he was worshiping, but we see that the content of his worship wasn't quite what it should be. He brought some fruits, not the best fruits. We'll see continually throughout the book of Genesis that strife among brothers is a repeated theme. We see Ishmael. We see Esau. We see Joseph's brothers. Through, though Adam and Eve, they haven't died, here they're going to witness the effects of the fall. They're going to witness death as between the strife of these brothers. They're going to see the effects of the fall. God asked a similar question to Cain that he asked Adam after he first sinned. Cain murders his brother Abel. And God comes and asks him, where's your brother? To Adam, he says, where are you? We see also, he has a similar punishment for his sin. And this is the first time that a human is actually cursed. We see a result of the fall is that the ground is cursed. The snake serpent is cursed. That woman will have pain in childbearing, but we don't specifically see a human being cursed. And this sevenfold vengeance that is promised to whoever would kill Cain because of what he did shows a complete vengeance. Because seven, it's, it's showing us that completion. And he sentenced to the land of Nod. And Nod actually means wandering in the Hebrew. And it's not mentioned again after this. So this might suggest that Wherever Cain is, is considered the land of wandering. It's the land of Nod. And then that leads us to some of the genealogy of Cain. And we see the effects of this curse that he received as he no longer is working the ground, but he begins to build cities. The mercy of God is displayed as Cain is able to have offspring. And they bear the Imago Dei, the image of God. Cain's offspring 
are born in the image of God, even though he is cursed himself. It's seen through his seed, though, that they are walking in evil. They're walking in the way of their father, Cain. And this evil is most notably seen in Lamech. You know, Lamech brags about his murder, possibly with a weapon made by one of his sons. And he views the curse of Cain as a badge of honor and exclaimed that he needs an even greater badge than Cain. Through Cain and his descendants, we see an even deeper plunge into sin. A plunge to where at first sin was avoided to now it's bragged about. The continued fall. But chapter 4, as it began with worship, it also ends with worship. Though there is this huge moral failure in the middle. Seth replaces Abel. And he is where the line of promise will go through. Interesting to notice, too, that he is the youngest. The name Seth sounds like the Hebrew, for he appointed. So Seth was almost like he was the one appointed to be carrying the line of promise here. And at this time, people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Though they begin to call upon the name of the Lord, we see that this corruption is going to continue to increase. We see Cain is not the promised seed. We see that it doesn't appear that Seth is going to be, though it does show us that Seth is probably going to be the one that it will come through. But we see an even deeper plunge into sin. A plunge that will continue to build and build and they as they go further and further into sin we'll see more strife between brothers as we continue out throughout the book of Genesis and we just see the sheer ugliness of sin we need to remember that whenever we read of these two men that truly We are no better than Cain. Cain is cursed. Cain walks in sin. His descendants walk in sin. But truthfully, we too walk in sin. Sin is crouching at our door. It's waiting for us. And it's often a tough battle to avoid it. As we see the world enter increased corruption... We need to remember that we're not too much different. But we need to be like a character who's about to enter the story, Noah. We need to walk in a righteous way. We need to be the people that call upon the name of the Lord. We need to call upon Elohim, the Almighty God. We also need to call upon him as Yahweh, our personal creator. Those sin's nasty effects still are everywhere today. We have forgiveness through Jesus. He makes a way for this to be removed from our 
our the record of our lives. We'll still sin. We will still fall into sin during our time here on earth. But we can be forgiven of it. And we can someday be completely free of it when we get to join Jesus in heaven. I want to close today by reading from Psalm chapter 51. And I want to read verse 11 specifically. As we think of the the nastiness of sin, the, the increased corruption on earth and our worship of God, we need to remember what's the content of our worship. You know, that's what led Cain into sin was he wasn't giving God his best. He wasn't, his heart wasn't there. John tells us that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. Do you worship in spirit and in truth? Is your heart all the way in it? And is the content of your worship truly based in scripture? Or is it based on something else? Because that is not worship. When you attend Sunday mornings, it's called a worship service. Is there true worship going on there in that church that you go to? Or is it a light show and discussion about the latest movie they saw? I'm going to read now Psalm 51.11. It says, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. As we seek to live in the way that God wants us to live, we need to walk in the way he would have us walk so that we are not cast out of his presence. Next week, we'll be continuing through Genesis and we'll be in chapter 5, verse 1, through chapter 6, verse 8. I thank you all for joining me and I hope to see you all next time. Thank you.